Welcome back to Messy in the Middle. Joining me today, I have Jenny Jones. Jenny Jones is a business operations consultant and in-house COO. Welcome, Jenny. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you so much for having me, Haley. Um, yeah, so uh, like you were saying, I am my client's in-house COO. Um, I also like to call myself their business therapist. And basically, I help my clients with refining their back-end business operations through streamlined systems, using data to make you know strategic decisions and strategic planning. And I really just want to help my clients go from just overwhelmed and scattered to streamlined, profitable, balanced, focused, you know, feeling just so much better about how their business works. That's awesome. I love that you said you're like kind of a business therapist because I have an ops person on my team right now. And mm -hmm. we were talking literally the other day and someone asked me like, oh, what does your ops person do for you? And I was like, they're kind of like my like therapist when it comes to business stuff. And like, we just sort of like talk about what's happening and they help me like make sense of it all. And like, that's definitely yes. an appropriate way to put it. I know. I, I heard one of my clients say that. And then somebody else said that she was like, this is like my venting session. Like my husband doesn't get it. I'm like, yes, don't worry, girl. I'm here for you. Like unload all your business problems on me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's very much just like, here's everything on my brain. Can you turn it into a cohesive thought perhaps? <laughs> exactly. I know. And that's, what's funny. I feel like the people that I work with, they're just, I don't know, they're, you know, they're like the big thinkers. And so they just always have a lot of things just like running through their minds. And I know every week when I meet with them, they're like, Jenny, I had this thought or I had this idea or, oh my God, I don't know what to do with this. And I'm just like, okay, let's, let's talk it through. And I try to like comb through it. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. this is, this is like what we're going to do now. <laughs> awesome. Well, so you probably weren't always an operations person and running your own business. So why don't you tell me a little bit about, you know, maybe start all the way at the beginning. Like what did Jenny want to be when she grew up? And then how did that turn into running your own business, doing operations for other entrepreneurs? Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So when Jenny was young, Jenny wanted to be a paleontologist. So Ooh. <laughs> I know that was like obsessed with dinosaurs when I was young. So that was always like what I wanted to do. Um, but then, you know, life happened, I go through school and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do like business stuff. And so when, <laughs> when I graduated high school and like, I had to pick a major, like I picked finance, um, like my dad is, he worked in finance. So I was like, okay, I kind of get what he does. So I'll get a degree in that. And, um, so after I graduated, well, I got like a couple internships that were kind of more around like business development, a little bit of op stuff, um, a lot of recruiting things. So that was just kind of like my foray into like kind of the op side. And then mm -hmm. when I graduated, I got a job as a financial analyst and I realized, wow, I do not enjoy this. This is not very fun. <laughs> and what I didn't enjoy about working in finances, I felt like I didn't have any impact on just what I was doing. It felt like I'm the one that was just like running the data and being like, okay, well, this is what happened. And this might be what happens next quarter mm -hmm. or next year. Right. So that's when I decided to pivot and I was like, okay, I'm going to start over and look at something in the op side. And I, that's when I got a new job in like running my own like portfolio. So, um, 
I was working at this company called Prometric and I had like a portfolio of testing center. So I was responsible for managing capacity and that was my taste of like op stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, everything that I'm doing actually impacts like something to the company. And that is what I found really exciting. Just feeling like what I was doing on the day-to-day basis, I can see the action and the impact mm-hmm. of it. And so, and then I continued my journey like into more op stuff. So I, I ventured into supply chain management. So, you know, still ops side and um i managed a gigantic product portfolio um working at stanley black and decker so it was like power tools and it was really fascinating just like learning about the supply chain side about you know from you know creating the idea of a new product and then figuring out like okay what are all the what are all the implications of the manufacturing lines we want to invest in and like how are we going to actually ship it, you know, from our plants in China over to distribution centers in the US. And I always found that really fascinating. Like it there is like a streamlined process that has to happen to get a product from an idea onto the shelf. Right. And then I became a product marketing manager. And then that's when I quit corporate. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with corporate. This is it for me. <laughs> Did you ever feel like when working in the operations side for like corporate and everything is at such a massive scale. Do you find that you have a difficult time kind of conveying the importance of thinking through all of those steps of supply chain or like processes with your like smaller business clients? Cause that's the first thing I think of is like, Oh, supply chain and like operations, like that's for big companies. Like there's just like three or four people on my team. Like we can figure it out. And like, I know that's not the case, but even when I hear you talking about it, I think about like, probably there are a lot of entrepreneurs who are just like, Oh, that's not for me. That's not like, I have problems, but that can't possibly be it. (laughs) Yes. And it, it's funny because that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of like the problem that I ran into. It's like, yeah, how do I translate what I know happens in corporate obviously happens on a much smaller scale. It doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur, like you're still going to have operational things that have to happen and you're going to run into maybe the same types of problems, just not on a gigantic scale. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think I did initially have difficulty kind of translating that because I was kind of used to that like larger scale. You know, it's just how you get things done in a business and every business obviously delivers services, products, whatever it is to their clients. And you have a way of making that happen. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I see operations as. Awesome. Yeah. So before we got on like started recording we were talking about your like 401ks and stuff how (laughs) did you I guess navigate the process and the decision to leave this like stable corporate you know you've got retirement planning you've got benefits you've got like all of these things you probably have a very healthy salary like how did you navigate leaving that to start your own thing what was that process like for you um honestly it was It was just very, uh, it wasn't planned at all. It was more like I experienced extreme burnout and I was so unhappy, like just working corporate. I was just long hours and, um, you know, 
the culture was just not a good fit for me. It was just very bro-y and while like I loved a lot of my coworkers, it was still the culture that I was like, I don't really fit in here and it's really draining me. And um, my husband had actually quit his job and he had started his own company um, a year, like a year or so prior to that. And, um, you know, it kind of got into my head like, oh, I mean, if he can do it, maybe I can do that. And I never thought of myself as somebody that would take on risk to start a business. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like, thankfully, we we had a lot of like, you know, savings and, you know, like we were financially healthy. And so I really just quit without a plan. Like I, I really didn't have an idea of what kind of business I was going to do. Uh, my initial plan was to just quit, have like a month or two to like mentally regroup and then maybe go back into corporate. But mm -hmm then the pandemic happened because I literally quit right before the pandemic. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I won't go back to corporate right now. <laughs> so I, um, I basically started helping my husband with the back end ops of his business because he, you know, he had, he had systems in place, but it was unorganized and he, you know, he was the, solopreneur doing it all by himself and working out in the field because he was an electrician and mm -hmm. you know doing all the back end office tasks it was a lot for him and so I was like okay I mean let me help you like organize all these things and when I started doing that I kind of realized oh I guess I could do this as a business right I'm assuming if you have a problem with this like somebody else must right mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I got started in it um and yeah it definitely not organic at all. <laughs> what was the uh, experience of having your husband kind of be your first client? I feel like for some couples, like working together is very much a make or break situation. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will say it was definitely not easy because, you know, it, it's like a totally different beast, right? Like business is so different than like you know, running your household or like, mm -hmm. oh, let's plan a vacation together, right? It's a different kind of thing. And I think it was just him being able to relinquish control and being like, okay, I, you know, I know that these are things that I've been holding in my head or I've been doing it this way for a while, but I'll, you know, I'll trust that you will be able to help me with figuring out how to do it better. Um, mm -hmm. So definitely, definitely a work in progress. And I would say communication, communication. <laughs> Communication's key. I mean, you know, it was definitely not easy, but we, you know, we managed. Right. So would you say then probably like transitioning from working with your husband to working with some of your first like real life clients was almost like a little bit of a weight being lifted because there's not that like, you know them so well kind of. A it, it definitely was. I will say it's like, um, Yes, definitely less pressure because you already kind of establish a nicer relationship. Just like you don't have any baggage with each other. It's just like clean slate. Like we're just here to like trust each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It, it was definitely, yeah, definitely easier. I mean, I was obviously very like nervous handling clients that were not like, you know, somebody to have a personal relationship mm -hmm. with. But, um, but yeah, it was. I, I would say a little easier to establish those relationships. 
So when you decided to start your business after working with your husband, you know, bringing on some other clients, how did you approach the journey into entrepreneurship? I know like you and I met through someone who's a coach in like the online business space, but there are a lot of entrepreneurs who like don't even know that the online business space exists. So what was your approach to like finding community and then also like figuring out how the hell you're supposed to run a business? Yes. So, Even though you have the upside down. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, uh, oh my gosh, this was like a whole thing for me because obviously, yeah, I know how the corporate world works. Right. And it was so structured and, you know, you had all these resources and I was just like used to it, but coming into the online space, there were just all these words that I had no idea, especially around like online marketing. I had no idea just the lingo. I had, I, I just had no idea what a funnel was. I'm like, I don't, I didn't know all these things. And so I actually took like, um, I took like a course to help me with understanding, like, um, it's the, uh, OBM certification. And that was just like, to really help me just get like a general knowledge of like how online businesses function mm-hmm. on an op side. And that was like a great way for me to just be like, okay, now I understand how these businesses are structured because I just had no idea where to begin. <laughs> and and then I invested in a business coach because I was like, this is still just feels very like, I don't know what I'm doing kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I needed that support. And from there, I like kind of just like grew like a community on Instagram, on socials. And I felt like that's where I found a lot of connections just with other entrepreneurs that are working online. And it just felt really nice to be able to connect with other people that were experiencing the same things and are running a, you know, running a business online. And, it, you know, like you, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, nice to just find that community. And I would say I definitely found that like building it on Instagram and then like organically just meeting other people that way. Yeah, definitely. I think that was kind of how it worked for me too. I didn't really like do a lot of like the coaching courses stuff in the beginning, but then once I like realized that that was such a large space, I like, I feel like I came into business in like the business boom of 2020, but like I'd been in business since 2017. So it was like this weird like renaissance of understanding like, oh, I'm not, because I never felt like I fit in with the marketing agency kind of stereotype Mm -hmm. and like that business structure. But then I didn't know that there were like other women creating marketing agencies with remote teams and like that kind of a thing. Um, So like opening the door to the online space was definitely like, oh, wow, this is a place where people hang out. Um, What does the, what is your like ideal client or like what do your typical clients look like now? Are they more traditional businesses like in line with like your husband and the electrician or like a local business or are they more in like that online space as well? Yeah, I would say pretty much online space. Um, I mean, I have, so I have recently started like trying to expand into like more local businesses. So I think I am going to be working, you know, with like local Baltimore, like photographers or, you know, that kind of thing, you know, they, they're like traditional and that like they work like in person, but they also have that online aspect. Mm-hmm. But I would say, yeah, most of my clients are, you know, they're like coaches or like some kind of online agency, some online service provider. And, um, 
I feel like that's who I have been primarily working with just because it's kind of like the world that I've become like immersed in. And, you know, I understand it pretty well now. It's been a, you know, been a bit. So I've, I feel like that's kind of who I enjoy working with right now. Yeah, definitely. I think our, our like agency and clientele kind of went through a like a roller coaster a little bit in terms of the types of clients we worked with like we started with very like real companies who like didn't really know what marketing was but they like built themselves up through word of mouth and were like old white men kind of a vibe <laughs> and then it like became all online business all the time and then mm-hmm. now we're starting to dabble in like oh well there's like a fitness studio down the street or like we should go to this like chamber of commerce meeting and like meet these local businesses and it's like remembering that there's a whole world outside of like this tiny Instagram bubble. I don't know how, like, I don't know about you, but I feel like the online space is so small. Like everyone I know knows everyone else I know. And then I'll like randomly hear of a new person and I'll be so excited, like, ooh, someone new. And it's like, wait, no, they know everyone I know already too. What's happening? (laughs) There's a lot of more of us. (laughs) It is. You are right. I feel like it's like, that, I forget what is that like three degrees of, I don't know you know how like it's the like, Kevin you know Bacon that, thing yeah yeah it's like you exactly that thing it's like everybody you're right everybody does know quote-unquote everybody somehow in the online space and yeah it you're right then that's kind of why this year I've been like trying to be like okay maybe I need to like meet people that are actually live in my mm-hmm. area which I just like never did I felt like honestly miss my clients work in like New York or Florida or Cali like the big states, like mm-hmm. nobody in Maryland, like that lives close to me. And, and I've recently, I've just been going into these like more networking events and I'm like, oh my gosh, it, it is this whole new world of other women who are also running their own businesses. And I had no idea that they existed. Right. Because like the Instagram algorithm didn't decide to right. recommend you to each other. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so outside of some of the just like navigating client types and like learning to branch out, what have been some of the maybe surprising or unexpectedly difficult parts of entrepreneurship that like you hadn't even realized could be a problem? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So many. Um, (laughs) well, I will say, I feel like for me, becoming an entrepreneur was like a personal development journey. Like I had to really understand my weaknesses and my strengths as like a leader specifically and like, and understanding what I am good at and what I need to work on. And, you know, I feel like that's, you know, that was definitely challenging. It's not like I'm good at everything. And that kind of feeds into learning how to, you know, delegate and grow a team and trust that somebody else can do it. Things that I literally preach to my clients and it's also very difficult for me to do myself, you know? Um, I felt like that that was definitely like a hard part, just navigating that growth journey for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And then especially I feel like in a business like yours where it is more like consulting-based Um, like, do you have a team right now or? No, I do not currently have a team. Is that something you would like envision for yourself or? Yeah, I definitely envision it like, but nothing big. Like I definitely don't see myself wanting some giant agency. Like I don't, 
yeah, that doesn't feel like a business model that would feel good to me. Um, so I'm still trying to feel out what would, um, but I've, you know, I've worked with like a couple of VAs in the past and mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to like rethink how I'm doing things in the back end of my business. So, you know, it's like pivot. It's like you try something, you're like, no, it's not working. So you got to pivot. Um, but yeah, not, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever feel like, you know, you said I got to like maybe rethink the way I do things in the back end or like I've worked with someone else and they've, you know, shown me something. Do you ever feel like your strength in operations sometimes shows up as like a blind spot or a weakness, or do you feel like it's a pretty consistent thing that can kind of drive you throughout? Um, no, I, I would say it could be a blind spot for me just because I, I think what happens for me is I get so focused on how I can help my clients' businesses run better. And then I will neglect what is happening on my back end. And I feel like that's what happens with a lot of like service providers or, mm -hmm. you know, if you have your own business, you, you focus on what's happening for your clients and then you'll sometimes neglect your own things for your own business. And it's like, you know, I, I like to have, you know, I love to like update and keep project management tools organized for my clients and make sure that things are running smoothly on that. And I'm like, Oh shoot, I have, I've like kind of neglected some things on my ClickUp and, you know, like last week I actually invested a whole day in just reorganizing and updating, you know, my systems. And, you know, it's not something I'm like, oh, I need to actually make sure I schedule this in more regularly, even mm -hmm. though I do this for my clients. <laughs> yeah. I noticed that something for me when I was like just myself on my team and even when I just had like one person helping me with stuff I really struggled with keeping an updated project management system because it was like well I like to-do lists and like I'm gonna write my to-do list down so why should I bother putting it in the project management system if I'm just gonna write it down anyway and then when I realized I needed to bring on more help and I could no longer rely on just like 17 pieces of paper scattered across my desk <laughs> it was like this oh shit moment of like I gotta get things organized but I don't know how to organize them that like works best for everyone so that we're not just like all dealing with scattered pieces of paper exactly um so in line with that evolution that I've been experiencing. Um, what are some signs that maybe someone is ready to bring on an ops consultant or bring on operational support? Like for me, when I was working by myself, it just like never felt like it made sense for me to have someone else on board. But I don't know when the right time was outside of when I realized like, oh, should I need this? So what are some <laughs> indicators that maybe people can look out for to know that they're ready other than just feeling like this is something they should do to like keep up with the Joneses because that's what everyone else is doing? Yes. No, I love this question because what I will say, a lot of people that come to me, like they'll hop on a call with me because they're feeling that oh shit moment, right? It's like, shit hit the fan all mm -hmm. of a sudden because maybe a team member left. Um, but you know, it doesn't have to be that like, Oh my God, things are breaking right now. It, I think it's kind of like an insidious like feeling you're like, wow, things aren't running really great. Or like, you know, you're maybe you have like a team member or you have a growing team and things are getting missed and things are falling through the cracks. And, you know, maybe it's just, 
even though you invested in growing a team, you feel like you still don't have time back in your day because mm-hmm. because there's going to be like emails or Slack messages asking you, hey, how do I do this? Oh, or like, hey, do you approve this? Or hey, is this how I do this? Like, you know, when your team is still coming to you for help and they're not um, kind of like independent and making decisions on their own. Um, I feel like that's like a huge thing when your time is now sucked into managing and feeling team questions. Um, I feel like that's like a big one. And honestly, if you feel like, yeah, if you just like feel like things are just not running very well, and I know that's like so broad to say, but it, yeah, it's just going to be like, like I said, like things are falling through the crack and things are getting missed or I don't know. It's like, maybe, maybe it seems like the quality of your services has dropped because things are just being scattered and all over the place. So it's kind of this, like, it's just really like a feeling like things aren't working very well. And that really is just like a sign that your systems are not up to date with where you, your business is and where your business is going. It kind of makes me think about like, and I think this is a very niche reference that probably won't help anyone get the feeling, but I was obsessed with the movie Madeline when I was younger, though, Mm -hmm. like the little redheaded girl in France or whatever. And like the person who was in charge of like all of the little girls would like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, something is not right. Like she just like had that feeling. And that's like, when you said that, I was like, exactly what the feeling is in the movie. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's so cute. (laughs) Something Um, is not right. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you can't necessarily put your finger on it. And because you can't put your finger on it, then maybe it is time to bring in some outside help. Yeah. And that's kind of it. It's like, you don't know what it is. And a lot of times, sometimes you're, you're going to just be like, I don't know, things are, this is just how things are. And this is how it's always been. I guess it could be better, but you kind of don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Where do you typically see people are at in their businesses in terms of like quantitative metrics when they are choosing to bring someone on either like in a consulting role or in a more like long-term relationship? Because I think one of the things that I see a lot in the online space is like, you know, charge your worth. This is what I offer. This is what it costs. And it can tend to make it difficult for people who are experiencing that kind of like discomfort in their business from being able to like critically think about whether this offer is the right thing for your business at that time. So are there any like patterns or indicators from a quantitative standpoint that you notice help people realize that they're ready to either work with you once or work with you in like an ongoing capacity? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, So I think quantitatively, you know, to invest in like, if you're not at like multiple, multiple six figures or, you know, into the seven figure like range in business, I would say if your time, like looking at the time that you're tracking in terms of just how much time you're spending, you know, doing a process or completing activities on the day to day, because, you know, you're going to be able to figure out what is a kind of like a quote unquote billable kind of activity versus like a non-revenue generating one. Right. And I think when you can look at that data and see that you're wasting a lot of your time, not putting your energy and efforts as the CEO and the founder of your business into making money in your business, I think that is a very big sign. Like, okay, something needs to change structurally in how 
you are completing things, how your team is helping you complete things, whatever it is. Um, so I think a lot of times the solution is just kind of like an audit. And it's not like you need to work with somebody that's like working on retainer in your business, mm -hmm. right? They can just like quickly come in and be like, hey, these are kind of operational gaps I see in like maybe your onboarding processes or how you're delivering services to your clients or how you're communicating with your team. And this is what you can do quickly to kind of fill those gaps. And I think that a lot of people who are, you know, not at that point to invest in like long-term, you know, partnership in their business, like that's like a great quick way to kind of, you know, get that in. Um, and then I think if you're, you know, you're generating multiple, multiple six figures, you have like, I would say, you know, 500K plus, you know, even higher. And then having a team of at least like three people or more, and it's like your team is growing. Mm -hmm. I think that's like a sign that you're probably going to need some kind of like longer term operational support in order to like really restructure how things are, you know, set up in your business and make sure that you're set up for even more future growth. Because I think, yeah, it's like you're either kind of like in that budding scaling kind of phase or you're like, well, you're like in that really super growth phase and you know you're going to be growing even more. And that's when you're going to want to make sure you have that really partnership kind of support to kind of help you with that kind of growth. Yeah, definitely. Because I can only imagine like if you're in that like multiple six figure, like you can see seven figures in the distance, but like there's this level of discomfort with like the way that things are running. It's probably a really tempting to just like burn it all down because you're tired and yes. be like really difficult to imagine like kind of the the supply chain or like the process chain of like, well, you know, I need to change this so that I can get my time back. But if I change this, then this will change and then this will change and then this will change. And like one wrong move could break everything, which probably then brings you back to like, I should just burn it all down because this is <laughs> exhausting. Like that feels like a point where the stakes are high enough that it makes sense to bring in that like outside support. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and definitely I think isn't in alignment with what a lot of the advice I see floating around there is. What? Just like, they're just like, oh. Like, oh, just hire, hire an ops person, hire an integrator, hire this, hire that. And I'm like, that's more money than I pay me. Like, what are you talking about? Just like hire all of these people. Like you can have problems without having a lot of money. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Like you're going to have problems at any stage of business, but yeah, it it's, you need to be able to afford it. It's because it's, you know, it's like a lot that goes into, you know, like, because when I'm working with my clients, I'm like, I'm going to have to see all of your finances, all that personal stuff that you are probably embarrassed about. And, you know, it's a very intimate relationship, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I'm going to be in every single piece of your business because all the things are how your business ultimately runs. And yeah, that kind of, that kind of partnership, you really need to be ready for that kind of investment. Yeah, definitely. Because that's not an investment you want to make lightly and then, you know, either have to stop doing, like stop getting all of the support after you start getting all of it or like be in a position where the decision is like, you know, pay your contractors or pay yourself or something yeah. like that. Yes, exactly. Um, so I guess I just shared a little bit about like one of my not so favorite recommendations that people share around business. Do you have any like 
shoulds that you hear that you wish people would stop sharing when it comes to operations or when it comes to business, like anything you feel people are like jumping into without maybe thinking it through super clearly because the marketing is just too good? Yes. Oh my gosh. I, okay. I would say when people are like, oh, you need ClickUp or, oh, you need Dubsado, like whatever new fancy popular software is like the new thing. And when everybody is like, well, this is, this is the tool that you need. This is going to fix all of your problems. And like, that really irks me because I think the way your processes should come first before mm-hmm. you're investing in that kind of technology, because you can, you can have ClickUp, but it, it's not going to work for you just because you invest in it and somebody tells you that you need it. It's not going to magically solve your operational problems, right? Like you need to have processes that make sense with that piece of software. Um, so that's something that, yeah, that really does bother me because I'm like, not everybody needs ClickUp. Like, you know, not everybody needs Dubsado. Not everybody needs whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, speaking of, I guess, ClickUp and project management and other, you know, platforms, um, I know that you offer like, I think a couple of different like platform build outs for people who are ready to invest in a project management software. And I would love to know like how you chose and decided that those were going to be the ones you really wanted to kind of pioneer and like champion. Um, and also if you have any recommendations for like what a good beginner level or like mid-level project management system is for someone who isn't ready to outsource the full setup. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love this. So I offer project management builds in Asana and ClickUp and I, I like these two tools for a reason. And I kind of picked them because to me, Asana is a very like user-friendly kind of project management tool. It's pretty straightforward, in my opinion, like in my mind. Like I feel like the way that they set it up, it's just like you have projects at the hierarchy, you know, teams and projects and lists. So it's like very straightforward to find where tasks and information live. Versus ClickUp, which is a very like all the bells and whistles kind of thing. And it's very fancy, has so many features and it's it's brilliant, but you have to know what you're doing and know what you're setting up in there to make it work and make mm-hmm. sense. Um, so I offer those two because I think Asana is great if you're like, if you're like, I just want something that works and that I really don't need to invest a lot of time in trying to understand everything in this because I just want something I can just set up and go. Um, so I think Asana is a great place to start because it, it is free, um, at the beginning and, you know, you can definitely get by on the free plan of Asana for a long time. Um, very easy to just set up like some projects, like one is like maybe like an operational to-do list, one is, you know, setting up like projects just for clients and their, you know, associated client work. Um, I think it is very straightforward that way. And then ClickUp, on the other hand, if you're like, I want all that fancy stuff because they have dashboards and docs and so many automations and integrations. And if you're, if you are willing to invest a little bit of time in trying to understand everything and how ClickUp works, I, I mean, it's, I love it. I mean, I personally use ClickUp, but <laughs> you got to have obviously invest the time in 
learning, you know, taking some videos and tutorial videos and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think if, if you really feel like ClickUp is going to have things in terms of like productivity with like their fancy dashboards and all that, like, I think that's really helpful if you have like a much larger team and, you know, understanding the productivity of certain team members and, you know, just making sure that things at a bird's eye level are on track. Um, whereas Asana, you can just kind of set up and go, in my opinion. That's really awesome. And I think that's a great comparison because I, I feel like I see a lot of people that like kind of specialize in both. And so in my head, I was like, oh, they're the same. Like I've used ClickUp before and I found it kind of overwhelming and like a little buggy. Like I could get it to do what I wanted it to do, but then it would like randomly refresh or not save. Yes. And I was like, I don't have, <laughs> I'm too sensitive for this. Like I can't handle <laughs> one wrong refresh and I'm going to like have a mental breakdown. <laughs> I totally understand. <laughs> and so I think in my head, I always just assumed that Asana was kind of the same thing. So it's nice to know that it is a more like streamlined or simple alternative for if you're not ready to like really go all in with a project management system. Um, my last question that I have for you is through this entire entrepreneurship journey, it can't have all been smiles and sunshine and roses. Do you have any like messy mishaps or like oh my gosh I can't believe I did that moments that you feel comfortable sharing and maybe that we can either walk away from with a chuckle or a lesson learned yeah um let me think I I will say I think in the beginning um just I definitely didn't understand red flags and clients and um so, you know, I was a baby entrepreneur. I was just like, oh my gosh, I just want to work with everybody and help anyone because I love helping people, whatever. And um, one of my first clients that I got, um, she, I should have from the get-go realized these red flags because she was very particular about, um, I think it was like in her like quote unquote interview process, she, she wanted me to like meet her like multiple times, you know, in zoom meetings, like for interviews. Mm -hmm. And then she like wanted me to renegotiate like my contract that I have as a provider. And that is like my yeah. biggest red flag. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know that. I was just like, I was just like, sure. Like, you know, I was like, yeah, I can change things for you. And, um, and then after that, I kind of realized how demanding she was and anything I was doing was never going to make her happy. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, <laughs> that was a, a very hard learning experience for me. Um, and just learning how to walk away from that client, even though it was like a huge client for me. Um, yeah, that, that whole experience was a little traumatizing, <laughs> but I think it was such a good experience for me because I learned like, just listen to my gut. Like if I get a not so great vibe from them at the beginning, then I know it's not going to work out and I can be like, okay, I'll send you on your way to some, you know, maybe somebody else can help you, but it won't be me. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great lesson. And also to like not internalize those difficult experiences when we do have them. I know like the first time I had a client who like was unhappy with something or didn't want to work together anymore. I like 
was absolutely like, I need to get a job. I suck at this. Like, I can't run a business. Who do I think I am? I was also probably like 22. So maybe I, maybe I should have just gotten a job, but <laughs> like that used to really like end me. And now when I like look back on those experiences or have like clients now who either, you know, decide not to book or, you know, book and then cancel the project. Like I don't, it's not about me. It was never about me. Um, unless I like really mess something up, in which case then it's not a surprise that they don't want to yeah, yeah. continue. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you kind of like need to have some of those red flag clients and unless you you know, go through it and like, don't recognize the red flags and then realize how big of red flags they are. Like all of those things make us so much stronger as entrepreneurs, as people, as leaders that even though they kind of suck in the moment, I think that looking back, we can kind of reflect on those experiences with some amount of reverence. I agree. Yes. And it it's funny just because it, you know, when I think back to like how I was feeling working with that client, it's like, I was just so stressed. I was, I was just like so miserable. And then, you know, I, I was finally able to just like walk away and I was just like, it's not me. It's her. It's just like, this is not anything that I can fix. So yeah, I definitely needed those lessons because I even had, um, somebody, uh, another girl, um, I was like talking to her about this client before I signed on with her. And she was like, I don't know, Jenny, that doesn't sound good. And I was like, I think it'll be okay. And <laughs> But you know, it's so different though. Cause I had a similar situation where I was talking to someone about, you know, a client that I had just signed and they were like, Oh my God, this person was a nightmare for me to work with. Like, <laughs> I wish you luck. Like they might have a lot of really negative feedback. Like don't take it personally. It's not about you. It's about them. And then like, for me, they were an absolute dream client really yeah and it was like to this day I'm still like did that happen like was it a fever dream (laughs) so but that's the perfect example of like you have someone who's a red flag and like doesn't work for you but then maybe they are a great fit for someone else and there's no way to control or even sometimes understand what makes someone a good fit for you or a bad fit for you so I think that's a really great nugget to take away but then also like think about moving forward in general. Yes. It's yeah, definitely a good lesson. Just when you're vetting potential clients, you got to make sure that, I don't know, it's just, for me, it's just a vibe check, gut check, really. Just does it feel like we're going to be having, are we going to have a good working relationship? Yeah, definitely. Well, I believe that is all I have for you today, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we leave our listeners, tell them where they can find you, how they can give you money, and if you are, I guess, taking new clients, and then that's how they can give you money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Jenny M. Jones with a little underscore. Um, You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. And I am currently taking new clients. I have a new just systems audit offer. Um, It's just like a really condensed consulting offer. And I think it's going to be a really great price point for anybody who's like, I'm not ready to invest in like long-term, you know, operations consulting. And, you know, if you're, if you want to work together, you can find me on Instagram, um, can connect with me on my website at jennymjones.com. And yeah. Thank you so much, Haley. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of Messy in the Middle. We will be back next week. Bye.